Blog Talk Radio. Kingway sucks beer, Locker's acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very hot. Four drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fuck is dead, Wolf is wet, Chekhov's wearing red, Cedar's cat, Kempak's cat, Q is sad, enough of that, beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go! We are
We've got the UK with 4.43% of our listeners. That's a pretty good percentage. In that number two spot, we've got Australia with 3.58% of our listeners. That's up uh, almost a quarter percentage from last week. So that's kind of exciting seeing Australia surging just a little bit. It's probably, you know, that one guy probably started listening to us again and telling his friends all about us. Uh, in our number three spot, hold and steady is Norway. Yes, 2.72% of our listeners come from all the way up north there in Norway. That's pretty cool. And then 2.6% uh, of our listeners come from Canada in that number four spot, our brothers and sisters just to the North United States here. So thank you for uh, surging back and making sure that you stay in that top five. And in that number five spot, still clinging on, uh, still doing okay, but dropping a tenth of a percentage, 2.36% of our listeners come from Ireland. So as you can see, uh, we are not only an international, but a domestic uh, phenomenon, I will say. We thank you so much to all of our listeners. Um, as we say every week, you know, we would do it, I guess, if you weren't listening, but knowing you're out there listening to us makes it a whole lot more fun. So thank you so much for listening to us. And we always we always like to give individual fan shout-outs to fans just like you guys that are listening around the globe. If you'd like to have a fan shout-out, just go to our Facebook page, Trek Talking and Beyond. Tell us where you're from. And if you see a heart next to your name from Trek Talking, that means I've picked you and your name is going to be on the next show. So, Eric, let's start with our fan shout-outs. Who's on your list? Uh, well, number one on my list, this is kind of exciting. We've had a few folks from this country uh, over the last couple of weeks. Maybe they're uh, going to start showing up. We'll have to see. Our number one fan shout-out this week goes to Andre Akamine Ribas from Curitiba, Brazil. Live long and prosper to you, brother. It's so nice to know that you're out there listening to us. Thank you so much. Our number two fan shout-out this week goes to Nancy Boivere from Quebec in Canada. Ah, one of those people from our Canadian listeners. Thank you, Nancy. Ah, we love it that you're here. Francisca Yakel from Franconia, Germany, is listening, us to, uh, listening to us. She says, live long and prosper. Live long and prosper to you as well. Joseph Hadley from New Eaton, Warwickshire in England. Ah, one of those number one international listeners. Joseph, thank you very much for listening, and uh, live long and prosper to you as well. And Bronwyn Ann from Brisbane, Australia, down under. Big old shout-out to you, Bronwyn. Thank you so much for listening. Charles, who you got on your list this week? Well, I've got top fan John Keller from Columbus, Ohio. I've also got top fan Karen Wittler from Ryland, Germany. Sandro, Sandra Galario from Chicago, Illinois, in the United States. Peter Duncan Donkerlo from the Netherlands. And Tom Bitching from Austria. What about Jim? Hopefully, hopefully you guys can hear me. Can you hear me? <laughs> We can. You were dropping in and out a little bit there, but you sound good now. Yeah, it's pretty stormy. It's cold here in Vermont, you know. Uh, so we'd like to say a huge hello and thank you to Timmy Bagula from Budapest, Hungary. We'd also like to say hello and thank you to Ron, Ronda Bigotti from 
Yugoslav, Glasgow in the UK. We'd like to say hello and thank you to our top fan, Brian Byrne from Singapore. Live long and prosper. We'd also like to say thank you to Romania, Susanna Einstein from Argentina. And last but not least, we'd like to say kapla to Renee Hunden from Washington State. Thank you for listening, guys. We couldn't do the show without you. And now we're going to go to our birthdays. That was not a Klingon song. No, it's not Warp, but we like it anyways. So we always start off our birthdays remembering those of our Star Trek family that are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, uh, our first remembrance this week goes out to David Opatushu, uh, who's a name that you may not necessarily recognize, but you will absolutely recognize this episode. Uh, he played Anon Seven uh, in the TOS episode, A Taste of Armageddon. He was that first councilman of MNR Seven in that planet. Um, probably remember that episode. So happy birthday and remembrances go out to David Opatoshu. Uh, also, we are remembering this week uh, someone who would have had a birthday, Gene Simmons, and not the one you're thinking of, Jim. Uh, this one uh, was the Rear Admiral Nora Sadie from the TNG episode, The Drumhead, who, which I think is just a, it's one of those episodes of TNG that kind of stands out, I think. And she was an awesome uh, rear admiral in that episode. So happy birthday and remembrances to Gene Simmons. We're also remembering this week, Robert Mandon, who played Kotan Padar. Uh, he was a Cardassian in the DS9 episode, Cardassians. Um, uh, we are also remembering this week Paul Carr, who played Lieutenant Lee Kelso uh, back in the TOS days uh, in Where No Man Has Gone Before. He was the one who uh, I remember watching that episode, and he's kind of like on a first-name basis with Kirk. I think uh, Gary Mitchell calls him uh, – or he calls Gary Mitchell Mitch. So he's like, you know, all buddy-buddy with everybody. Uh, so he was a cool character, and, and we miss Paul Carr, who would have had a birthday this week. We're also remembering you know, John... Yeah, I, go you ahead. Know what, Eric, I really yeah. liked him, and they killed him. Go figure. I know. Every time I, I know like they, a character, they kill him. And, the, and it's <laughs> often a helmsman. It was like they kept killing helmsmen <laughs> until they finally settled in on Sulu. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, so we're also remembering uh, this week John Fielder, uh, who played uh, Mr. Hengis uh, slash Jack the Ripper in the TOS episode Wolf in the Fold, which I always thought was kind of a, a cool concept for an episode. Uh, so happy birthday and remembrances to John Fielder. We're also remembering Jeremy Kemp, who played Robert Picard uh, in the TNG episode uh, Family. He, of course, is the brother, the older brother. Uh, of our dear captain, um, and it was cool to be able to meet uh, somebody related to our friend Jean-Luc, uh, and Jeremy Kemp just did a great job in that role. Uh, also, yeah. happy birthday and remembrances to Stephen Mines, who played Lieutenant Robert Tomlinson in the TOS episode, Balance of Terror, and that one's kind of cool because 
Uh, as Jim will maybe remind us later on in the show, we're going to be talking about that episode, I believe, next week. Uh, and so we get to kind of revisit Stephen Mind's performance as Lieutenant Robert Tomlinson in that episode. I'm excited to see that again. And then finally, uh, we had a lot of remembrances this week. Our last one goes out to B.B. Besh, uh, who played uh, Dr. Carol Marcus, and not the one from the Kelvin timeline, the one from Star Trek II, uh, the one that you think of probably when you think of Dr. Marcus. Um, wow, what a cool character. Loved her whole like interaction with Kirk and uh, the David Marcus character. And B.B. Um, Besh just did a great job with that role, I thought. So we miss her. Uh, she would have had a birthday this week as well. Wow, guys. Uh, wow, we lost a lot of people this week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Past. All right, Charles. Uh, who are the folks who are still with us that we're thinking about this week? Okay, well, first we got Stephanie Ashbrook, who played Melora Pazlar in DS9's Melora. Then we got Paul Shear, who played Lieutenant, Lieutenant Commander Andy Bigup in, oh, in um, Lower Decks. Billups. Looking good to set that out. Nice to have one of our LDS cast members. We have Tim Winters, who played Gin Doro in TNG's The Wounded. Another Cardassian. Jonathan, Jonathan Banks, who played Galen Shila in DS9's Battleline. And this last one, I was really surprised I got. I have met this, I have not met him in person. I've been at one of his, a couple of his panels. And this guy is hilarious. Not only was he a funny character in the series, but he's a funny person, funny in person. He loves sitting there imitating his favorite cast member. And we gotta sit there and remember we're sitting there and recognizing Brett Spiner as Data today from the TNG series, movies, and Picard. And what a great job he has done with that character. Cannot wait to see oh, don't forget also not only done that, but he's played Lore and multiple family members and his father. Mm-hmm. He's played Soong. He's played members of Soong's family. He's played a lot of parts in the series, and he is a fan favorite. And if you get to, ever get to hear him live or get a chance and go check out some of the stuff he does on YouTube. One thing I can remember is just his imitation of Patrick Stewart. <laughs> he does a funny Patrick Stewart. So, so, with all those fun birthdays, what have you got, Jim? Well, I've got some good ones. Uh, I always do the Klingon, of course. Uh, but we're going to start off with a non-Klingon. We're going to say happy birthday to Jeanette Goldstein. And you're saying, huh? Who's that? Well, I threw her in for an interesting reason. First of all, Star Trek-wise, she played the science officer in Star Trek Generations on the Enterprise B 
that wasn't getting its tractor beams until Tuesday. And a lot of people remember her from that role. But a lot of people are more surprised to find out that she also played John Connor's stepmom slash T-1000 in Terminator 2 Judgment Day. And the role that surprises people more than anything else is that she played Vasquez in Aliens. She was that big, badass female Marine with that giant machine gun. Uh-huh. So Jeanette Goldstein has been in the Star Trek franchise, the Terminator franchise, and the Alien franchise. So that's why I mentioned her. Even though her role in Star Trek isn't the biggest, a lot of Star Trek fans are surprised to find out what other movies she's been in. So happy birthday to Jeanette Goldstein. The next couple that I have are Klingons, Kapla, party, warrior-type people. And the first one we'd like to say happy birthday to is G. Raul, or I'm sorry, Christine Rose, who played G. Raul in the TNG episode Birthright Part 1 and 2. If you guys remember, that's where Worf meets Space Nine to go find his father, and he finds a colony of Klingons that are being raised by Romulan Patak. Very, very good episode. Um, the next one is one of my favorite Klingons. He had a very small role, but he just influenced me. I just, I love this character. I love this costume. And I just, something about this Klingon and this guy just, just got me turned on the Klingons. I like to say happy birthday to John Shuck. And you're saying, Uncle Jim, who the hell is John Shuck? Well, John Shuck is the Klingon ambassador from Star Trek Four and Star Trek Six who said there shall be no peace so long as Kirk lives. That's John Shuck. But he also was in Star Trek Enterprise as Antok in the Affliction and Divergence episode. He's the the Klingon that created the virus that melted off the Klingon's head ridges. And he also starred in Deep Space Nine, Marquee Part 2, as Parn. He was a Romulan. I mean, not a Romulan, I'm sorry, a Cardassian. That seems to be the big thing, Cardassians tonight, huh? Mm-hmm. And you know, I told you guys that I always get the Klingons, and I always save the best for last. Well, tonight is no exception, because uh, the next person whose birthday happened to be on Tuesday, but that's, that's okay. Today's Thursday. We're a couple of days late. Uh, I refer to her as the killer of Klingons because she always kicks Klingon butt in all of the movies that I've seen her in. <laughs> and uh, she happens to be here with us live tonight. So you guys can call 646-668-2433 and wish the, the killer of Klingons a happy birthday. And, of course, I'm talking about the awesome Victoria Fox. Happy, happy birthday, Victoria. And we have a special song that we play for special people on the show. And this is a, this is a weird Al Yankovic version of Happy Birthday. This one goes out to you, Victoria. Well, there's a punk in the alley and he's looking for a fight. There's an Arab on the corner buying everything inside. There's a mother in the ghetto with another mouth of feet. Seems that everywhere you look today, there's misery and greed. I guess you know the earth is going to crash into the sun. But that's no reason why we shouldn't have a little fun. So if you think it's scary, if it's more than you can take, just blow out the candles and have a piece of cake. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Wow. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. 
happy birthday, Victoria. (laughs) (laughs) Happy birthday. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. You know, I'm usually that person who, when you go out to dinner for your birthday with your friends or your family, I threaten them that if they tell, uh, you know, the restaurant that it's my birthday, I will hide under the table when they come to sing to me. But no one, no one at a restaurant ever sings a song like that. And, you know, as, as the kids are saying these days, that's a bop. So thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and you could actually be hiding under the table right now and nobody would know because this is that's live true. radio. <laughs> that's true. That's true. For all you know, nobody here can see me blushing. So <laughs> That's right. So if you guys would like to call and see if you can hear Victoria blush through the radio, our phone number is six four six 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 eight two four three three. So happy birthday, Victoria. Thank you, yeah, thank you. And you know, birthday. I've I've always I've always really enjoyed the fact that I share a birthday not just with Brent Spiner, but actually with Data himself. That's always been kind of like a a fun fact for me. Like, yes, it, I'm, we were born on Groundhog's Day, but also, did you know? To all my non Star Trek friends, and they're all like, okay. Cool, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I've I've told this story before, but since you you mentioned Brennan, um, a friend of mine got a job writing for Star Trek, and my wife, my and I got to go out there uh, to Paramount, and we actually got a chance to see Data, Jordy, and Riker at the Paramount commissary having lunch, and I had to be really cool <laughs> and pretend I didn't know who they were. But the reason why I bring it up is because. Brent Spiner was all done up as data and he actually is gold. And uh, yep. <laughs> it doesn't come, it doesn't come across that way on the TV show, but I can tell you, I saw him in person and he's gold. <laughs> so, that was, that was pretty cool. <laughs> Shorty had his flashing lights on the side of his head and the whole bit. It was really neat. I wish I could have cool. got a picture, but I had to be cool. So anyways, <laughs> So we're, let's move on to our Star Trek news, and uh, for that we need a priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level nine authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. So all the stories that we're going to talk about today, I paraphrase them, and you can find all these articles completely unedited and in their entirety on our Facebook page at Trek Talking and Beyond. So if anything catches your interest, please head over there and read the article in its entirety. So the first article I want to read for you guys is entitled, Alex Kurtzman Teases Villain and More for Star Trek Discovery Season 4. Deep dive into science and the different kinds of villains. As always, Kurtzman was careful about what he said, but he did have some new tidbits, including promising something. Kurtzman said, we're actually exploring, we're diving deep into science in the fourth season in a kind of new and interesting way. There have been many kinds of villains over the course of Star Trek. What happens when the villain is not actually any kind of living, breathing entity, but something else. Mm. How do you solve that problem? Hmm. Cultural classes for a growing federation. Kurtzman expanded on that, talking about what kind of challenges they will face with this mission. Kurtzman said, 
the Federation is coming back together, but it's not fully back together. And so with the continued mission of bringing other worlds in and meeting the criteria and standards of what it means to be a member of the Federation, but also not to rob other cultures of their identity, is something that we'll explore. Book and Burnham are going to be put to the test. In addition to dealing with bringing new cultures into the Federation, Kurtzman outlined that some of Burnham's challenges will also be much closer to home. Burnham has spent a lot of time thinking she had to be one thing or the other and ended the season being rewarded with the captain's chair for being two different types of things. Vance basically says, you don't have to pick. You do things your way, and that's why I want you in the chair, because you're always ultimately fighting for what's right. Burnham is going to have to keep figuring that out. She's going to have to keep learning what that means. Her relationship with Book will be tested in many ways for reasons that I cannot tell you right now. And that's what Berman had to tease us. Or that's what Kurtzman had to tease us with about Star Trek Discovery Season 4. You can read the article, as I said, in its entirety and see what other things he had to tease us about. <laughs> anyway, you know, we're going to take our first commercial break for our listeners at Odyssey Radio. Don't touch that dial. Don't go anywhere. Run, don't walk to the bathroom. We've got a few more interesting news stories to cover, and then we're going to talk to the birthday girl herself, Victoria Fox. So don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Trek Talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 730 to 930, all hailing frequencies are open iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And we're back. We're continuing with our Star Trek news segment, and our next story goes out to Charles. What do you got for us, Charles? Well, we talked... uh... Little bit. We teased this one last week. We finally got the article to post it. The Star Trek, Star Trek Discovery nominated for a GLAAD, G-L-A-A-D award. G-L-A-A-D announced the 32nd annual, I guess we could say GLAAD Media Awards. These these awards to recognize and honor the media for their fair, accurate, and inclusive representation of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer communities and the issues that affect their lives. Star Trek Discovery Season 3 was nominated for Outstanding Drama Series. Discovery is going against 911 Lone Star on Fox. Telling Eve, BBC America, Tea Valley on Stars, Ratchet on Netflix, Supergirl on the CW, The Umbrella Academy on Netflix, Vita on Stars, The Wilds on Amazon, and Winona Earp on Sci Fi. Discovery is among the show's praise for their powerful impact stories about the LGBTQ people of color and for centering transgender people and the issues in the new and diverse ways. This nomination for Discovery makes Discovery 3 for 3 with GLAAD Award nominations for each season. 
but no wins so far. Season 3 of Discovery includes the introduction of a trans character and a non-binary character, Gray and Adira. Definitely good addition to the series, and I think bringing Star Trek into the realm of what's going on in the world right now. And you know what, Charles? I think we talked about this um, when the episode, um, I don't remember the title, but the episode where Adira tells Stamets that uh, she wants to be referred to as they or them, and we talked a little bit about that yep. on the air, and I, I really think that uh, if they don't win it this year, I, I don't know what it's going to take because I think the addition of those characters and the Stamets and Culver relationship, it just makes the show, it, it was already excellent, but it's outstanding now that we have that, that family dynamic on board the ship. And again, yeah. people like me, an opportunity to experience something that I'm not familiar with, the, the whole they, them thing is something that I think a lot of people aren't aware of. Um, at all. So I think that Star Trek has always been on the cutting edge of inclusiveness, and I think that just adds to their excellent record. So I'm really excited yeah, for that. I and agree, definitely. And it's providing a good uh, example, too. You know, I mean, I think that episode is such a key episode of Star Trek or of television in general because of that conversation you're referencing, Jim, between Adira and Stamets you know, uh, where they say, where they say that to him. And then Samus is just kind of like, okay, like, yeah, I care about you. So that's what I'm going to do. And that, you know, to me, that just is like perfect modeling of exactly how you should react in that kind of a situation. And I think Star Trek accepted that. It's nice to see that they haven't gotten away from that over the years, you know. And then they sit down and play a cello piano concerto, which was absolutely beautiful. That was amazing. Of course. Of course. Beautiful. Yeah. And Eric, you have our next story. Yeah. My favorite part of this one is probably the title, Set Phasers to Stream. Here's all the Star Trek content on CBS All Access. And I've actually gone through and updated it because this article was already out of date. It's only like a week old. But... uh, it does say from low-budget romps to high-energy blockbuster films, Star Trek has become one of the most influential sci-fi franchises of all time. While Trek has decades' worth of TV, film, and animated iterations that might rival Star Wars, it also has its own unique legacy and long-time passionate cult following. With the release of Star Trek Discovery in 2017, the Trek television universe has become one of the highlights of original programming on CBS All Access, the network's streaming platform. CBS All Access has done particularly well with uh, releasing short series over the past few years for this newest wave of Star Trek. Helmed by Alex Kurtzman, series like Star Trek Lower Decks and Picard have pushed the boundaries of what can be done with the universe's canon in their first season so far. CBS All Access is set to rebrand and officially launch as Paramount Plus uh, coming up right here on March 4th. Uh, Paramount Plus will be the new home for Viacom CBS's massive existing library of content, as well as continuing to host critically acclaimed original Trek series like Star Trek Picard, Discovery, and the upcoming Star Trek Strange New Worlds and Section 31. And, uh, you know, I think the point of the article is that most of the Star Trek content that's out there to watch is actually available on CBS All Access these days. You've got, uh, you know, original series, animated uh, Next Gen, DS9, Voyager, all of Enterprise, Discovery, 
the new stuff, Short Treks, Picard, Lower Decks, uh, and then we'll have Strange New Worlds in Section 31. What's interesting is that on the movies, I think they're still gathering these things. Um, uh, updated from what the article said, I went back and I looked at uh, CBS All Access, and the only movies that I could find there on my feed were Star Trek IV, uh, Generations, First Contact, and Nemesis. Uh, and then once I went to my Amazon Prime membership, uh, you know, everything was available there. About half of them were free and half of them were, um, were to rent. So point is, and I think I got the article last week that said, what was it, guys? It was like it was like 26 days or something of watching. I can't remember what the article said, but it was like if you watched all of the Star Trek beginning to end, how long would that be? Well, it turns out you can do most of that right here on CBS All Access. <laughs> And, you know, Eric, I'm wondering once they rebrand it as Paramount Plus, mm-hmm. if the Star Trek movies will then be available on Paramount Plus. Because part of their, their breaking in half was that Paramount had the movies and CBS had the TV shows. And now that they're going back together, I wonder if the movies will become part of that family again. I hope. That was my, yeah, Love that was my assumption. Yeah, I was. And it was interesting, too, when I went and I looked that there was only one of the original cast movies on CBS All Access, and it was Star Trek Four of all of them. And then three of the other movies were with, you know, the TNG cast. So it seems like it's almost like a, a haphazard um, mixture right now. And I guarantee that this article, I think, was only a week old or so, and it was different as of the time of the writing of that article. So these sorts of things, you know change on a weekly basis. I bet you're right well, that when they rebrand it'll all come to one place. Well the thing is when streaming services get hold of these kind of movies, they purchase them into a contract. And have contracts for a span of time. Which right. is why you constantly are seeing new stuff coming in and other stuff leaving. And I think they had a lot of their contracts for so many years. And as those contracts end, they're going to not renew those contracts or limit those contracts to try making sure that Paramount has the most access. Yeah, in fact, I bet the timing of these is actually controlled a lot by that, Charles. Remember when uh, Disney Plus launched, uh, right before it launched, all of the Marvel stuff started going off of Netflix, right? I think Jessica Jones yeah. was the first one that they pulled off. And yeah, then they just kind of kept going and going and going. Pretty soon you couldn't get the movies anymore. And uh, and yeah, so they're probably doing the, exactly the same type of thing with Paramount+. Plus. And the one omission, though, is that Paramount Plus is going to own Nickelodeon. They didn't mention Prodigy, which mm-hmm. I'm assuming will be on Paramount Plus because Paramount owns Nickelodeon. I think so. I so. really, I think CBS owns Nickelodeon because Nickelodeon, some of Nickelodeon stuff is available on CBS All Access right now. So I, I maybe they'll have see. access to other stuff as well. Mm-hmm. I think you'll see Prodigy show up there. I think eventually yeah. you're, you're going to see. Paramount Plus be like Disney Plus. It will be the home of all Star Trek, and that'll be that. End of story. Hope so. So, yep. so the next story goes to yours truly. Uh, Star Trek Lower Decks and Star Trek Picard nominated for NAACP Image Awards. 
Now, this story is going to surprise you when yeah. I read it. It surprised me <laughs> when I heard it. So, uh, I'll tell you my opinion of, after we, you read this one, Jim. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was literally just – I couldn't believe it. Uh, we heard we heard about the GLAAD Awards, okay? So the NAACP announced the nominees for the 52nd Annual Image Awards, honoring outstanding performances in film, television, music, and literature. And for the first time in decades, Star Trek shows are on the list. You heard me right. The first time in decades, Star Trek is on the list. That blows my mind, but you're going to get blown some more because here we go. Star Trek Lower Decks picked up a pair of nominations. The show itself was nominated for Outstanding Animated Series, going up against Big Mouth on Netflix, Central Park on Apple TV+, Doc McStuffins on Disney Junior, and She-Ra and the Princess of Power on Netflix. She-Ra? They're still making those? Oh, dude, you haven't uh, seen the new She-Ra series. we got to have a talk. It's really good. Isn't She-Ra He-Man's? girlfriend or something no no that you don't you, that's all old lore man that's all old the new she-ra show is totally rebuilt from the ground up and it is freaking awesome oh and wait 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 be, be careful how you use the word old no 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 <laughs> i i saw the original i mean i'm just remember I'm, I'm just old enough to have watched that original when i was a kid and uh i will <laughs> tell you that that this one i don't know as far as I'm concerned, that's the one that should win this award. But isn't it funny that Lower Decks was nominated? Yeah, keep on going. Yeah, so Don Lewis, who, who voices Captain Freeman, was also nominated for Outstanding Character Voiceover Performance. She's going up against Aisha Taylor for Archer on FX, Courtney B. Vance for Hollywood's Architect, Paul R. Williams' story on PBS, Dean Cole on Kippo, and The Age of the Wonder Beasts on Netflix. And Leah Dion Hayes on Doc McMuffin's Disney Junior. And director Hannah Culper was nominated for Outstanding Directing in a Drama Series for the series premiere of Star Trek Picard. Remembrance, you guys got to go see that on the premiere night just about one year ago, a little bit more than a year ago tonight out in California. She's going up against uh, Cheryl Dunn of Lovecraft County, Strange Case on HBO. Misha Green on Lovecraft County, Jig of Boo Boo on HBO, uh, Nazinga Stewart, Little Fires Everywhere, The Uncanny on Hulu, and Steve McQueen's Small Axe, Mangrove on Amazon. Star Trek, the original series, won an Image Award at the first ceremony held in 1967. Since then, Michelle <laughs> Nichols was nominated for her role in Star Trek for The Voyage Home. Avery Brooks received two nominations for his work on Deep Space Nine, and Alfie Woodard was nominated for her supporting role in Star Trek First Contact. This year's three nominations are the first for the franchise since 1997. Please, please, how can that possibly be? How? Well, it's, it's, I think it's because, you know, honestly, guys, I, one of the cool things about uh, Alex Kurtzman's Star Trek uh, kind of uh, what cloud I guess that's happening right now is that there's a real focus on this type of thing. And whereas I think that um, maybe back in the nineties, you know, we were, we were pretty progressive, but the word of the day might've been tolerance. 
I think the word of the day now is celebration of different cultures. You know, we're no longer just tolerating different folks from what we look like or people of different cultures or people of different lifestyles. We are now celebrating those differences in the true kind of Gene Roddenberry way. And uh, it is a little stunning that it's been since 97. Uh, That seems kind of weird to me. But (laughs) Captain Freeman, Don Lewis, like, yes. Come on. She is amazing. I think she absolutely, like, that one to me makes a lot of sense. Honolly Culpepper, Martin, director. Well, go ahead. Martin Green. I, well, so, you know. so, but they're, but they're not, they haven't, this is voiceover performance uh, for Don Lewis. Now, I don't know, there's probably a lot of outstanding actors out there, so I don't know why Sonequa, you know, maybe wasn't nominated. The one that just surprised me, honestly, was or slower decks um, because it's like, okay, it's got, I guess, representation of different folks, which is good. Uh, you know, you've got like the main character, Mariner, who's pretty awesome. Tendy's pretty awesome. Captain Freeman is pretty awesome. But then you've got your ransoms and you're, <laughs> and you're kind of like, you're good old boys too. So it just doesn't like, it's not the one that I would think, Oh, this is the one that the NAACP would actually um, nominate. And frankly, like I was saying, not to talk it up too much, but if you guys haven't seen She-Ra on Netflix, you need to go watch it. Cause honestly, we should do a show about it. Okay. <laughs> so Eric, <laughs> you, you get our final story. All right. Speaking of uh, Michelle. Well, Yes, speaking of Nichelle, uh, Woman in Motion, Nichelle Nichols' documentary arrives on demand and digital on February 16th. That's in less than two weeks. This documentary, Woman in Motion, Nichelle Nichols' Star Trek and the Remaking of NASA is being shown in theaters in a limited engagement this week and will be available on digital and on demand on February 16th, 2021. Woman in Motion tells the inspiring true story of how Star Trek's Nichelle Nichols worked with NASA to recruit people of color and women into the program starting in the 1970s. It's, uh, so it's good news for fans who can't make it to a theater that it will be available this month. Fans who pre-order from Apple will also have access to exclusive bonus features, including an extended The Story Behind the Story featurette, deleted scenes, teasers, and trailers. If you want to see Woman in Motion on the big screen, there are showings this week on Thursday, February 4th, and Saturday, February 6th. Uh, obviously, checking locations. For participating locations, uh, you can go to fathomevents.com. Um, that sounds like a fascinating documentary to me. I can't wait to see it. Don't think I'll be heading to the theater, but when it comes out digitally, I'm there. Yeah, that's definitely a, a must. So that wraps up our news, guys. And now it's time for our main event. And, yes, I'm talking about the birthday girl herself. Victoria Fox, our phone number here is 646-668-2433. If you'd like to talk about the Avalon universe, any of their vast library of fan films, or if you just have a question that you'd like to ask Victoria, please give us a call, 646-668-2433. And before we dive in, I do have to warn you. Black alert, y'all. We are about to make the jump to some serious spoiler territory. All right, there will be spoilers, so you've been warned. So, Victoria, what can you tell us about the Avalon universe? 
Oh, gosh, that's such a big question. <laughs> it's a good one. It's a good one, though. <laughs> there are there are many things I can tell you and many things I cannot tell you. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, as you guys know, we started with Ghost Ship, um, and uh, things have been a, a long and winding uh, path of adventure since then. Um, we've we've since released uh, Avalon Lost, Avalon Demons Parts One and Two, um, Avalon Legacy, and Avalon Aaron Darkness. Uh, and those those last two are are the latest that we put out this year amidst all of the crazy uh, chaos that 2020 brought us. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, well, and the way Absolutely. and the way that and I believe on previous shows where we've had you and your uh, your counterpart Joshua Irwin talking, they you both mm-hmm. have talked about how the Avalon universe is is your own Star Trek universe. Yeah, um, it's not not yet not necessarily directly connected to any of the you know Star Trek universes that we already know about, and that that shows up in a few different ways. Um, it's it's our own. Uh, alternate universe that uh, you know it's kind of you know you might think of it as if you were in the prime universe and you just took a step sideways but you didn't quite make it to the Kelvin universe and you wound up somewhere in the middle there in the unknown territory <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, um, and, and it... you can see that in our, our, our design and our looks we, we've kind of uh, you know, we use a lot of the aesthetic from the original series, but we've brought in some of the Kelvin uniforms and, and, you know, there's some haters out there, but a little sprinkling of discovery is in there as well. If you, if you pay close attention. Yeah, I was going to mention, uh, particularly in this first one that we're talking about here, Legacy. So first of all, you wrote and directed this one, right? Yourself. I did, yeah. Yeah, this was um, this is something that, that Josh actually sort of brought to me um, and asked me to to take on. Um, so, but it, it kind of became my my little baby, much like Avalon Lost was kind of a a thing that I I brought to Josh and said, I want to do a thing. Here it is. <laughs> he uh-huh. kind of let me take the wheel. Um, you know, this time he came to me and said, We need to do this, and and I want I want you to you know chart that course for us so um i i kind of wrote that almost sort of on on demand as it were which is something i had never really done before (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. but uh but that was a that was a fun uh experience to kind of get handed something and said all right i've got these two actors our captain uh and our young ensign and I was told, all right, you've got to write something for those two actors. Doesn't really matter what it is. Go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, and I, I uh, yeah. I do have a clip that I want to play uh, from that, from Legacy. But I want to wait a little bit because we're, gonna, we're just about out to our next commercial break. And I don't want to interrupt it. So I'm going to wait to play that clip until we come back from our next break. But. I did want to mention something really cool about the Avalon universe in the episode legacy that we're going to talk about right now. And then I'm going to play a clip for a little bit later. The starship 
that they are that they are flying on happens to be an Aries class starship. And some people may or may not know the significance of the Aries class starship, but there is a story behind the Aries class starship. And also the one that we're going to talk about next has a starship class that doesn't actually exist, but the name caught me <laughs> right, right when I heard it. And that was the, the dreadnought USS Foley class, <laughs> which I thought was great. Indeed. <laughs> yep. <laughs> for, for people that don't know uh, who, who Captain Foley is. Because I'm sure there's people that don't. <laughs> what? He's, he's not known throughout all the universes? Uh <laughs> That's impossible. How, how could anyone not know who, who Captain Foley is? Um, yeah, there, there's, there's kind of a whole lot of story there. I don't know how much time we have before you go to your break. So, I don't know. We have um, about five we, minutes. All right, five minutes. Uh, yeah, so we, um, we have been working uh, with Sam Cockings uh, on all of our films as our CG artist. Um, and for those who don't know, um, Sam uh, does a lovely show called Trek Yards, um, and his compatriot, co-conspirator, uh, you know, right hand is Captain Stuart Foley. Um, and he's not been directly involved in uh, any of our films, but he has been um, a, a longtime supporter and, uh, you know, kind of cheering from the stands and, and been a real friend to us. Um, and so uh, when we were sort of designing these new ships, um, because as those of you who have seen our previous films, you know that that's another aspect in which our universe differs slightly. Um, you know, our, our Constitution class is very recognizable as a Connie, but uh, – a little tweak from the other versions we've seen um, that Sam has kind of taken and put his own little spin on for us. Um, and he did the same uh, with the, with the others. And so said, you know, we're, we're creating a ship. Let's, uh, let's name it after our, our, our good friend over there. And uh, didn't tell him it was a secret. Um, so he found out just, you know, with, with everybody else, like, oh, my God, that ship, that's my, my name. <laughs> uh, so that was, that was a really good bit of fun for us. I, I thought it was pretty cool myself when I when I was watching it, and also <laughs> Sam created a brand new Klingon ship for this one as well. That he did. We we gave him a we gave him a whole lot of work. <laughs> just a, just a whole pile of things that we went to and said, "Can you make this? And can you make this? And also we want one of these." Um, we were like kids in a candy store uh, when he said he would he would make new ships for us. Uh, we we started small uh, in Avalon Lost. We had him create a, a shuttle for us, um, and then once we dipped our toe in that water, we we kind of uh, realized that he he created a monster uh, by <laughs> by letting us have that kind of uh, you know creative drive behind the wheel, as it were. It, it I'm I'm in, I'm in love with our ships. Like I and you know as much as I love them, if, if you talk if you talk to the boys, they get really excited about our ships. <laughs> I I really like the Klingon ship. I'm being a Klingon fan myself. I thought the the Klingon mm-hmm. ship that was used was was really 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 good. 
Thank you. I, I'm sure that Sam will, will appreciate that. And if he doesn't hear this himself directly, I will certainly pass it on. Uh, I know he, he had a lot of fun and he worked really very, very hard. He put a lot of time and effort uh, into doing those for us. Um, it, it was a process that evolved over uh, quite a, a course because we originally started uh, with these films, uh, you know, before the the world went uh, upside down with COVID and everything else uh, that happened. So we we kind of kept going back and going, mm, well, what about this and what about that? And, you know, uh, Josh is really the, the half of the partnership that gets really invested in those. And, and I, and I said, I want, I want these ships to be beasts. That's, that was my thing that I told Sam, I I want, I want them to be beasts. And he said, all right, I've got an, I've got an idea. And he came back and said, is this what you wanted? And I said, yes, yes, that's what I wanted. Thank you. I I like to, uh, thank you. You know, I I like to kind of uh, give him a very, a very broad strokes uh, and as, as is Josh and then turn him loose and see what he comes back to us. And we've yet to be disappointed with that. Yeah. The, the, the space battles and the ship sequences, uh, both in leg and both of the films, we're going to talk about legacy when we come back from our break here are outstanding. You guys should go and check them out. We're going to take a quick commercial break here, guys, but don't worry. We're going to be right back with the birthday girl herself, Victoria Fox. I have a clip to play from Legacy, and then we're going to talk a little bit about Legacy as well. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. If you have a question or a comment, please give us a call, or maybe you just like to call and wish Victoria a happy birthday. Whatever you want to do, that's fine. We're here. Give us a call, 646-668-2433. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Freakopolis Geekery, the premier upstate New York comics and game shop. Centrally located between Saratoga Glens Falls, Ticonderoga, and Rutland, Vermont, the Geekery is a haven for pop culture and science fiction fans. For Star Trek fans, the Geekery features board games like Ascendancy, as well as awesome gaming titles like Star Trek Adventures RPG from Modiphius, Star Trek Away Team Zero Clicks, and of course, Star Trek Attack Wing Ship-to-Ship Tactical Combat for the Tabletop. The Geekery hosts casual play sessions, learn-to-play sessions, and sanctioned organized play tournaments with limited edition prize support. You'll also find comics and trade paperbacks at Freakopolis, including Star Trek titles from IDW. Lots of issues are in stock, and special orders are no problem. Whether you visit in person by Shuttlecraft or beam in online to Freakopolis.com, you'll find yourself right at home at the Freakopolis Geekery. And we're back. So, Victoria, what can you tell us about Legacy? Well, Legacy, um, as I said before, I was given the parameters of we need to write something for these two actors. uh, And that was about it. And then I had a chat with those two actors and, you know, as it happens, the, the gentleman who played our, our captain there, his name is Lee Pfeiffer. Um, he uh, had this friend who had a daughter who was really wanting to get into acting. Um, and so that was uh, Georgie, our young ensign there. Um, 
And so, you know, I kind of, you know, chatted with them and kind of figured out who they were as people and, and their relationship. And then I thought about, you know, some things that I was currently going through in my life and my creative work, uh, you know, being involved in a process, uh, you know, as a member of a team who, uh, you know, was kind of really being confronted with what it meant to, on the one hand, be a leader, but on the other hand, you know, have somebody who I really needed to be a leader for me. And, uh, you know, that wasn't really going the way I thought it should. Um, and I spent a lot of time really thinking on what, what I wanted to see from a leader and the kind of leader I wanted to be. Um, and the kind of team that I wanted to be a part of. And I started thinking about, you know, how so many of our, our various Star Trek shows, you know, our crews um, have related to each other and have supported each other and have fought for each other and with each other. Um, and so I, I sat down with all of those things kind of percolating in my brain, and I thought about, you know, this young girl kind of taking her first steps into a world that she really, really wanted, but at the same time was a little bit afraid of. Um, and I threw all of that together into the pot. Uh, and then I sat down one evening at my computer and just let it all spill out. And that was, that was legacy uh, on the page. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a clip. I have a clip to play for you guys. I promised you a clip. And this is a clip. Uh, this is a clip that, that stars um, Georgie Anderson as Ensign Allison Thielen and uh, Lee Pfeiffer as Captain Pfeiffer and uh, give it a listen. She was a damn fine pilot, your mom, and a hell of a captain. She'd be proud of you, Allison, following in her footsteps like you are. Thank you, sir. I have a long way to go before I compare myself to her. That may be true, but the course is easier to chart if you know where you're headed. Captain? Have a seat. I know it's irregular, but this is my ship, and I want you to get a view from this perspective. Feels bigger than I thought. I'm not even in command, but just sitting here, it feels heavy. It's true. It can be heavy. Command is both an honor and a burden. But if you trust yourself and you trust your crew, it's not a burden that you have to carry alone. That's something that your mother taught me, and that's something I hope you learn here. Now, one of the things I really like about, about the scene in particular is your use of music. I'm, a, I'm really big on music. <laughs> I, think, I think properly placed music can make or break a scene. And... Uh, the music that was used in that clip, I thought, actually in the whole thing, but that clip in particular, I thought was really, really well placed and really well used. And I think your, whoever does your music did a really good job. Well, thank you. Uh, music is something that has always been uh, very important to me. I've always felt like uh, that's one of the things that's really incredible about film is the role that music can play to really – support your story and you know there's a, a visceral capability that music has to reach out to your audience and 
you know, pull them in on a deeper, you know, subconscious visceral level uh, than just, you know, having words and, and visual elements. Um, and over the course of the last uh, couple of years, I've had some opportunities to work with some incredible musicians and composers who have done nothing but absolutely reaffirm and validate that for me. Um, we've had multiple people do our music uh, for different pieces for this particular film. Um, it's an incredibly talented guy named Adam Mullen. We got connected through him or to him actually through uh, Vance, major who is uh another incredibly important part of our team uh because he's the one who kind of inspired uh you know us to take a chance on making a fan film in the first place and go out and make ghost ship uh and then to continue on from there um so adam has done music for him in the past and uh we needed music for this and i was really i was really set on having something original I didn't want to rely on, you know, creative commons, which is, is all on good and I love it. And we've done several other things where we've used music for that. But for this piece, it became so personal. And I, I felt like that, that clip that you played is really the thesis of the film. I mean, it's a very short film, but, but that, that clip, those last couple of lines in that clip really sum up what it's all about to me. Um, and I wanted something that was crafted for this film rather than something that we were just, you know, cutting and pasting from uh, to add to it. Um, and Adam stepped in and just kind of took the rough edit that we had and he took my notes and thoughts and, you know, again, uh, just like with Sam, you know, kind of turned him loose and he came back with this, you know, beautiful little piece uh, that I'm, very, very thrilled uh, to have as part of the film. I don't think the film would be nearly what it is without it. Yeah, mu- music is, is a big part of any film. And uh, Eric, do uh, you have any questions for Victoria? Yeah, Victoria, I thought this was uh, just a really cool film. Like you said, it's not it's not very long. Uh, it's just a few minutes long, but I think in a very short amount of time, you're able to tell a pretty cool little story. Um, and, you know, we've actually praised that on this show in terms of what CBS does with short treks and, and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But I always am amazed at, you know, anybody who writes their own story, you sort of come to this with, um, with some parameters. I understand you were given kind of, you know, write, write about something. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, you talked a little bit about what inspired you to write this story. And then there's all the like little nitty gritty details, like people's names and exactly how they are going to be staged, and you know what does the ship look like that they're on, and that sort of thing. Where I'm interested in some of those kind of like side details. So first of all, you know one of your main characters, her name is Allison Thielen. Uh, where did the name mm-hmm. come from? Any particular origin? Yes, actually. So that name uh, came from one of our donors uh, on one of our uh, previous Kickstarters. Uh, we, well, I was in Indiegogo actually, uh, but we had done a fundraiser, and one of the things that we had offered was name a character in in our universe. Um, and so I had this name that somebody had 
uh, you know, chosen as part of the, the fundraiser. And it just, it felt like this was the right character for that name. Uh, when okay. I, when I sort of built her and I thought, you know, I, I just felt like it connected. And so I, I sort of grabbed that from our little name stock pile and, um, <laughs> and, and gifted it to her. And I'm, I'm very glad to have had that because um, on the flip side, our captain's name is Captain Pfeiffer, played by <laughs> Mr. Lee, Lee Pfeiffer. So Pfeiffer. you can see there wasn't like a whole lot of stretch there. Um, and if you and if you watch and if you watch some of our other films, uh, and and then you check the credits at the end, you'll notice that Josh has a tendency to name characters after the actors who play them. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so uh, if you go all the way back to Ghost Ship, you'll see that my, uh, you know, my unfortunate zombie boyfriend, sorry, spoilers for anybody who hasn't watched Ghost Ship yet, but you guys have had a lot of time for that, um, was originally supposed to be played by a friend of ours named Jay. And so Josh oh. named that character Jay. Um, <laughs> and, and then as it turned out, right before we were supposed to film, uh, Jay had to drop out because he couldn't uh, make it because of a work conflict. Um, so then we turned to uh, another buddy of Josh's named John Laws. And so then that character became named Jay Laws. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, we have Jamie Archer played by Tori Archer. Um, uh-huh. And, and of course there is a, a, an Archer, a very prominent Archer in Star Trek canon so uh, that sort of stuck as well with that with that little extra tie-in. So we got to here, and I said, you know what? I don't have a name for this guy. <laughs> I'm not blank. I'm gonna name him Captain Pfeiffer. And when yeah. I told the actor, he 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 was really excited about that. He was like, oh, I get to be a captain with my name. <laughs> so he had a lot of fun with that too. And I said, you know what? I I, I feel good about that call too. <laughs> Oh man, that's really good. I well, yeah. you know, it's interesting that you should mention some of those other characters because I, you know, one of the cool things about these Avalon Universe movies is that you do see some characters um, uh, referenced or recalled, and we'll talk about that more in Air and Darkness for sure. But uh, in this one, in Legacy, uh, although we haven't seen these characters before, there are a couple of ships referenced in this one that will play mm-hmm. a bigger part also in air and darkness, but they do reference, or you do, they, <laughs> you <laughs> do reference um, the USS Chamberlain and the USS Excalibur uh, in this one. And do you want to just, uh, for anybody who maybe for whatever reason may not have seen uh, some of your previous Avalon universe, do you want to talk about uh, particularly Excalibur just a little bit? Um, well, the Excalibur is our, you know, our, our primary ship uh, for our, our main crew that, uh, you know, we have in all of our films. Um, and, you know, that was something that really, it was initially Josh's decision. He, he chose that ship. Um, it was very prominent in, you know, the great, uh, you know, MI5 uh, disaster. Um, and so that was, uh, you know, he, he really loved Easter eggs. And so he, he chose that ship. And then that's kind of evolved from being an Easter egg to being kind of a a, a bit of a, a layered thing with sort of the the strings of some of our our characters. You know, our our first captain was was Derek Arthur Mason, and as we all know, Arthur in the Excalibur. 
Um, uh-huh. our, our, cap, our current captain now uh, is Lance Ramirez. Uh-huh. Um, and so we're, and, and there, and then there's more that I can't talk about yet because, because those other threads are going to be pulled into the weave in future films. <laughs> mm, that's great. I, well, it's one of, one of my favorite parts and I'm, I was amazed in a, you know, I think what amounts to about three minutes of, of film time, how you're able to just weave this really cool story and also like name drop a couple of ships along the way. Um, I thought that was really cool. And of course, you know, special effects are, we've already talked yeah. about. And, and another bit. fun, you know, ship tidbit, uh, Jim mentioned it earlier, we've got, we've got the Aries class um, mm-hmm. in, in this. Um, and for, for those who, who know, you know, for those who don't know the Aries class, uh, that's something that we drew from this little film, uh, called Prelude to Axanar, which is a fan film, uh, that kind of did something very unique and different. And there's a whole lot of story there that I don't want to get into, but we were working on another fan film that's not an Avalon Universe film, but is a film that somebody else approached us with and asked us to make their film for them. Uh, they, had a, they had a script, but don't, didn't know anything about how to make a film, had no experience with filmmaking, weren't really sure where to start other than I've got a script and I want somebody to make this film. So that film... Uh, was a, a, a fan film of a fan film. Uh, so it was a fan film uh, of Axanar. And through doing that, we wound up working uh, directly with Alec Peters uh, because he's in the film as Garth. And we got to go down and shoot on the Aries bridge set um, that he has built down in Georgia and it's a beautiful set. It's an, it's an incredibly beautiful set and very detailed. And I said, Oh man, I wish we could come down here and shoot on this set. Like I, I think it'd be so cool to have one of these ships in our films. So that was our plan. We, we talked to Alec and he welcomed us and said, of course, you can come down here and shoot anytime. And yes, of course you can use, use the area class in your films. And then, of course, you know, we wound up in 2020. Um, nobody was tra- going to be traveling anywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so we came up with a new plan. We still wanted to use this ship. We still wanted to have an Aries class. Um, but we wound up talking it over and deciding let's, let's do it here in Arkansas. We worked with our good friends Glenn and Dan at Warp 66 Studios um, here in Arkansas to kind of redress and convert TOS bridge set that they have that we film all of our other films on and change its appearance to more closely reflect what people are going to see and have seen of the Ares class ship um, that's in Axanar. And we've had so many people say, Oh my gosh, you guys went down there and filmed on that set. And the, the trick is, no, we didn't. Uh, we used a little movie magic, you know, talking uh-huh. about those, you know, nitty gritty behind the scenes things that you mentioned, Eric. Uh-huh. That's what that was. We went through, I don't remember exactly how many, but I think we went through probably 
at least a half a dozen, if not more, rolls of tape. <laughs> because <laughs> this is the this is the the thing that nobody else has been told yet. This is an exclusive to you guys. Um, so many people have asked, and I told them, "Oh, well, you know what? I'm going to talk about this. Uh, tune into this show, and you you can hear it." So I hope hope people are are listening who wanted to know the answers to these questions. Uh, we recolored their set uh, because, of course, you know, we couldn't repaint their set or, you know, cut out pieces and all of that. Uh, that would have been, you know, too much of an imposition on them. We weren't going to ask for that that level of, uh, you know, changes. But we used painter's tape and we used uh, silver tape to when we when we're on one ship, it's one color. You know, when we're on another ship, it's another color. And when we're on the other ship, it's yet another color. Uh, so that we can make them look like entirely different ships of different classes. And then, of course, you know, uh, Josh and I sat down and talked about what each of those ships were going to look like. And then he carried that into the lighting on each of the ships so that they would each have a distinctive lighting profile as well to support the, you know, sort of dressing that we had done on the set. Um, and I, I'm really happy with how that turned out too. And so many people have said, how many sets did you guys film on? Uh-huh. One. We filmed, we uh-huh. filmed the entire thing entirely on one single set. What a cool story. That is so cool to know that that was all that because the Aries definitely does not look like the, the, you know, bridge of the enterprise and, you look, you watch the uh, credits, and it's just Studio 66. And I did, I assumed that you had somehow got some, uh, you know, like volunteers, and you had built a whole new set or something. <laughs> so that's really cool nope. to know that you just redressed the. We did. Uh, their set. We yeah. did have, we did have some incredible volunteers, uh, but they didn't build a set. They just yeah. wrapped a whole lot of tape around one. Uh, that's so cool. That is such a cool story. <laughs> uh, thanks for sharing that. Charles, did you have anything? Did did you have anything you wanted to ask Victoria? No, I've been so busy. I didn't realize you'd release the two episodes, so I've got to get back and watch it. But I'm looking forward to seeing the episodes. Uh-huh. Yeah, we kind of we kind of snuck these in. We didn't really talk much about them because we, you know, were were constantly under the pressure of what's COVID going to do and not really knowing if we would be able to make these films and, and release them or not until they were ready. And then we just said, all right, they're ready. Let's get them out there. Well, and I'm just going by YouTube posting dates, but it looks like legacy was posted on Christmas of last year. Is that true? Uh, essentially. Yeah. I think, I think we actually put it up uh, at like, you know, twelve oh one on yeah. on Boxing Day. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, for for our time zone, that is. Sure. And then about a week later is when uh, mm-hmm. the next one uh, was posted. Yep. Yep. Excellent. All right, well, Jim. Victoria, I I've got to ask you. They're not going to kill off Amanda Beck, are they? Because I'll boycott if they do that. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> every time, uh, well, every time I like a character, they kill them off. <laughs> well, you know what, Jim? I, I was going to say this to you because you mentioned that earlier, and I feel your pain because I suffer from the exact same curse. 
And every time I watch a TV show, every time I read a book, every time I watch a movie, it doesn't matter what it is, any, anything that's got a story, there's always a character that I just immediately fall in love with. And then I spend the entire rest of that story living in absolute terror that horrible, horrible things are going to happen to that character because I love them. And in fact, that happened in Discovery um, with Dr. Colbert. I, I just, I felt an immediate like connection to that character. I was like, I like this character. He's doomed. (laughs) And then sure enough, what happened? They murdered him. Uh-huh. And I was devastated, uh, and my boyfriend, who is very supportive but sometimes lacks all sympathy, looked at me and said, oh, "Darling, you knew that was going to happen, though, right?" And I was like, "Yes, I knew it was going to happen, but that doesn't make it any better." Uh-huh. And then, when we uh, were also lucky to go to the Picard premiere, lo and behold, who do I wind up literally physically bumping into uh, in the lobby? But the incredibly beautiful and dapper, uh, charming Wilson Cruz who plays Dr. Culver. And I got to have a really great chat with him. And he, he kind of, you know, leaned in and whispered in my ear and he's like, you know, there's, there's some really good stuff coming in the next season. Like if you, if you (laughs) like, if you like this and you're upset about that, like, just wait, I'm not going to tell you anything, but just wait, just wait. And sure enough, this last season, I was like, Oh yes. (laughs) <laughs> like that, okay, all that okay, heartache Victor- of, of them murdering and paid off. <laughs> okay, Victoria, are you a book yes. reader? I got a I, suggestion for you. I, have you okay. read Have you read Dead Endless yet? No, I haven't. You gotta read it. It's a cold. It's it's a he's okay. I keep teasing everybody about this from his murder. To when he reappeared on Discovery, that book fills that hole in. Okay. It is a fascinating hole. You, when you start talking about him, him and his life after death, that story explains it, and it's a great story. You you got to read it. Okay. I I will definitely take that recommendation and I will check it out. Um, yes, I'm a big reader. Sadly, I don't get to do nearly enough of it, uh, you know, because I've I've been so busy. And I thought that with you know quarantine and everything, I was going to get so much more reading in. But alas, uh, <laughs> mostly mostly uh, my time got taken up with how do I still make a living as a creative and a filmmaker and an actor while we can't do any of those things in 2020. <laughs> the only thing I will, I'll give you one heads up that I've given our buddies here a heads up. When you start the book, let your mind wander a bit and don't start scratching your head about the time frame. It will make sense okay. as time goes. Okay. But I was listening to audio and loved the book. Speaking of time frame, guys, we have to take our final commercial break of the evening for our listeners at Odyssey Radio. When we come back, I have a couple of clips to play from the brand new Avalon Universe fan film called Air and Darkness. And of course, Victoria will be sticking around with us to answer your questions 
and for you to wish her a happy birthday at 646-668-2433. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Jamie from Chep Talking, here to invite you to join us for the best sci-fi themed podcast. Our elite team of Trexperts are here to discuss Star Trek and sci-fi themed content. Call 646-668-2433 Thursday nights from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern Coast Time. We can't wait to hear from you. Live long and prosper. And we're back. We're talking with Victoria Fox about the Avalon universe, and we're going to talk about Air and Darkness. I have a couple of clips to play for you guys. The first one I want to play for you guys, kind of already teased you guys a little bit about it, and uh, this is just a, a simple clip that I call the Foley class. Identifies the lead ship as the USS Chamberlain Foley class. Ensign Thielen. Attack pattern alpha. Full impulse power. Hi, sir. Sir, the target's been disabled. 180 degree turn. Hard about. Let's take some pressure off our boys. This is why I became a pilot. So, the reason why I started with that clip is because those two, those two actors probably sound familiar, don't they? Interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, Victoria, why don't you tell us a little bit about how they ended up in Air and Darkness? Well, um, in Legacy, at the very end of the film, the, uh, the ship, the, the USS Athena, uh, Ares class, gets a new uh gets new orders from Admiral Austin, which is the character that Josh plays in our film. Uh and they're given coordinates and told to rendezvous there with the USS Chamberlain to on a support mission for the USS Excalibur. Uh now at that time, at the end of that film, you have no idea what's going on with the Excalibur or why they need uh fleet support. But uh, by the time we've reached the point of that clip uh, that you just played from Aaron Darkness, we know that the Excalibur has found themselves under heavy attack from our favorite nemesis, the Klingons. Uh, and they are in, they're, in, they're in a little bit of a rough spot. Uh, and luckily, uh, the 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 support that we were you know told they were being sent uh, shows up in the nick of time, uh, like the you know cavalry riding into the rescue over over the hillside. Well, let me let me ask you. I I think we talked about this the last time, but it happened again in this film, so we have to talk about it again. You get to kick some Klingon butt yet again. <laughs> so. <laughs> So, what was it like to kick Klingon butt for a second time? But this time you kicked two Klingon butts instead of just one. <laughs> I, I did, and 
Well, okay, there there are several things to share about that, uh, getting back to Eric's, you know, nitty-gritty uh, secrets of, the, of making the film. Um, well, but first of all, uh, it was great because this time I actually had help. Uh, I, I got to take on two Klingons instead of four because I, I had somebody else with me this time instead of being, uh, you know, cut off and, and alone <laughs> having to deal with the Klingon all by myself. So that was a nice change of pace to be fighting Klingons with somebody else. Um, but uh, secret, you can't tell because uh, we use masks uh, to cover everybody up because of COVID. We wanted to be safe. Um, so we worked masks into our production design. Um, but one of the Klingons that I fight, the first Klingon that I that I knock out uh, in that fight scene in Air and Darkness is actually the same guy that played the Klingon that I fought before in Demons. Right. Uh, <laughs> so he came Very back cool. for another beating. <laughs> <laughs> well, Victoria, since uh, we're talking about the beatings that you've been laying down, I was curious about that. Just, you know, what sort of, like, do you have a fight choreographer or <laughs> do you folks come up with the fight scenes or how does that, is it all just fakey? I don't like, what's, how do you come up with all that? Well, uh, that's another one of those. It's varied from, from time to time in the fight scene. Um, well, in the fight scenes from going all the way back to ghost ship, uh, Josh, uh, handled the choreography for the fight scenes in ghost ship, uh, entirely by himself and just told us what to do. Um, in, uh, demons, I, stepped in a little bit more into the actual choreography side of things. Uh, I come from a theater background. Uh, oh. So I have, I have fight choreography for stage uh, experience. I'm not a martial artist. I'm not a, a fighter in any kind of real sense. Um, but I have the experience of, you know, fight choreography and, and doing stunts for, for stage shows. Um, so I tried to bring some of that into play a little bit more, uh, for demons because we had this set um, and I, one of my pet peeves uh, for, for fights in, in film and television is that you see a lot of fights on, you know, sets where there's no interaction with the set. You know, there's, there's furniture and there are walls that people are avoiding at all costs. And of course, that's because you don't want to damage your set when you don't have the budget to, you know, build a new one like they do on, you know, uh, network shows. Uh, but it it always strikes me as that's not how a fight would really work. If you were really in a fight, you would be slamming into walls and you would be falling on tables and tripping over chairs and using whatever you had at your disposal to try to win this fight. Uh, so I. I wanted to bring some of that into our fights in those quarters. And luckily uh, when I went to Glenn and said that I wanted to do that, he, he didn't bat an eye. He said, okay, I'll make sure I reinforce the walls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when we got to uh, this film, our, our, you know, 
lovely uh, Chuck Murray, who plays Captain Lance Ramirez, uh, he is a very, very multi-talented fellow himself, uh, and he has uh, fight experience, fight choreography, uh, and he uses a lot of that for some of his own work outside of Avalon Universe. Uh, and he just came to us and said he really wanted to kind of step things up a little bit, uh, you know, and, and contribute more. And that's one of the ways that he, you know, brought some more of his skills to the table. He also made some of our, our props uh, that you've seen, our prop weapons. Uh, he made our, our Klingon knives that we used um, back in Demons. Um, and we we keep using them because they're really good. Uh, we had somebody else uh, that made some of our, our props for this one that, that Josh purchased. But uh, Chuck kind of really stepped in and, and handled a lot of the hand-to-hand, you know, choreography on this one. It, it looks really good, I got to say. Uh-huh. Really good. And you know what? Speaking of Klingons, I have another clip I want to play, and I just called it Klingons. <laughs> Pretty creative. Huh? <laughs> if it'll play. Order. There we go. Reach the transporter room. Prepare to beam up the landing party. Captain, I'm picking up three Klingon battle cruisers dead ahead on an intercept course. Where'd they come from? I'm not sure. Sensors are fluctuating due to energy fields emanating from the surface. It looks like they've been concealing their ships over the planet South Pole. We raise the shields. We won't be able to beam up the landing party. I probably should have played that before we talked about the Klingon flight. <laughs> but, oh well. <laughs> oh well. You know, I, you know what? Yeah, oh well. Makes people want to watch it now. <laughs> I uh, you know I thought it was great about that clip was that when he's talking about the Klingons hiding above the the pole of the planet that's exactly what Riker did in an episode of TNG mm-hmm. which I can't remember the name yep. of right now but um, he hit his ship above the pole of a planet to obscure it and I thought that was pretty cool that you did the same thing in this film with the Klingons. Yeah, uh, you know, I mentioned before, Josh loves his Easter eggs. So, you know, there are a lot of things sprinkled throughout our film uh, that that come from Josh going, oh, you know what they did in episode, you know, and and he knows, like, he's got the trivia brain that I absolutely do not have. And so he'll sit there and go, oh, they did this in the name of the episode, season such and such, you know, episode (laughs) number. Um, So... (laughs) That's cool. Uh, you know, if he were the one here, he'd be able to tell you exactly what episode that was. But, but yeah, that's uh, that's another one of those little, uh, you know, fun fun facts uh, from you know actual Star Trek that yeah, you could do this. It was this would be you know a, a legitimately established uh, you know tactic that could be used. Yeah, I well, thought I was it was really... pretty cool. But it was. Yeah. Go... Yeah. Go ahead, Jim. I was going to say, now, I was getting worried because I thought they were going to kill you. Now, <laughs> there are no plans. There's no plans for them to kill you off, correct? Um, well, you, uh, you know, at, at, 
Well, you know, at this moment, um, them or they, the great, the great they, uh, is half me. So uh, at this moment, uh, at least half of they has no plans to kill me off. Because I'd like to stick around. Uh, <laughs> they have no <laughs> I'd like idea to what the other half is. For a little bit do. longer. Uh, so so if it happens, it'll be it'll be that you know. That 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 cold knife in the in the back from the shadows. It'll be it'll catch me as unaware as, as you. So uh, <laughs> I, that's the best I can tell you right now. I'm I'm leery of making pro, you know promises that there are no plans because who knows what what might happen you know on on Monday you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I but I, I but I will promise that. you. I will promise you this, uh, as I promised you before. If Beck goes out. It won't be in a shuttle accident. Oh, good. That's <laughs> take, take a take a couple of Klingons with you. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of which, in this one you've got uh, so you've got Charles Fultz playing Captain Kamok, who's our main mm-hmm. Klingon antagonist in this one. Um, he's got some pretty cool makeup. I like his uh, his forehead. Uh, did you have some? Some uh, makeup folks on the job there, or how, how did that go? Uh, you know, you know. Yet again, um, you know, as is often the case uh, in in fan films or any film that's on a very tight budget, uh, a lot of people wear a lot of different hats, and that became especially true once again uh, because of COVID. Uh, concerns for safety, we really stripped down the number of people that we were willing to have on set um, and have exposed to each other. So, yet again, I told you he was multi-talented. Chuck Murray did that makeup wow. for us. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And he did an excellent job. And I have to tell you, I your character is great. I love Amanda Beck. I also just love Captain Lance Ramirez. He's so cool. I love his like command style. He's, um, he's written as kind of like cool, calm and collected, but like, you know, knows how to take care of things is not afraid to charge in when he needs to charge in very intelligent. Love his character. Me too. I am, I am a big fan of that character and you know we've caught we like you guys are you know haven't but uh, we have caught a lot of flack from people before uh, about that character because we've shown him to be vulnerable we've we've shown him to uh-huh. you know yes be be that captain that you just described but on the flip side be a captain who who also struggles under you know that command and the weight of his own decisions and um, you know we've we've kind of gotten some, like, that's not what a Star Trek captain should be. A Star Trek mm. captain should be like Kirk, you know. Um, yeah. but, but that's something that I love about that character is, is I love I love that we got to bring both sides of that together. Um, and that's something that I wanted to do um, because we had Chuck. Um, and I knew him as an actor, and I knew that he has a remarkable capacity to be both a a strong uh, man with a with a strong you know commanding presence, but also an incredible gift for open heartedness and vulnerability uh, in a character, and you know a, a real sort of bravery to show that side as well. And I've I've really enjoyed getting to 
you know, discover that character with him, both from the writing side and the directing side and, you know, the, the co-actor side. It's been a, a real joy to do that. Well, he's definitely been a bright spot, I would say, in a lot of your films. And I do like how you've been able to show, uh, like you just said, both ends of his character in two in two films, um, which is just great. But, Jim, I think what's important that we must talk about about this movie that actually relates both to, uh, to Captain Lance and our Klingon friend, we have... Spoiler alert. Did we do the spoiler alert thing? If you haven't watched well, this yet. <laughs> well, we, we, we could do it again. Hold on. Black alert, y'all. We are about to make the jump to some serious spoiler territory. It- okay, I totally, there you go. Freaked out. I totally freaked out when I figured out that the Iconians were going to be part of this show because you and Lance, uh, Beck and Lance, go in. She's got this device, and she zaps it, and then, boom, Iconian doorway is very clear what it was, and then they zap themselves into the room. Man, that was so cool. Was that your idea to incorporate the the, the Iconian parts of this, or whose idea was that? Because that was brilliant. Uh, that, again, you know, I've said it multiple times now, Josh loves his Easter eggs, oh. um, and so that that idea of wanting to bring in the Iconians, uh, you know, originally came from him, but that has been something like it was always the plan. That's not something that we came up with just for this film. You know, we've had, we've had that, that kernel has been in mind all the way going back, you know, through, through the previous films. Um, You know, so we, you know, we introduced this artifact that, uh, you know that, that Commander Laws found um, uh-huh. on a previous mission, and it was it was on board the Excalibur, you know, uh, on ghost ship, and and you know, sort of the question of what is this, and where did it come from, where did they find it, what does it mean, what does it do, uh, and you know, and then we saw a you know a little bit of that, uh, you know, during Demons, um, uh-huh. and of course, you know, we were we were giving you guys clues uh-huh. of where we were going when we named the film Demons. Right. Uh, but of course, it, it has it has a double meaning. You know, obviously, we're talking about the demons that these characters, you know, have personally. You know, their their inner struggles with their own, you know, griefs and doubts and all the burdens that they're bringing into, you know, this new voyage on this ship. Um, but also, demons when we of got to this film, mm-hmm. Air and Darkness. There was the <laughs> second half. Yeah. Um, of you know what we were what we were kind of building towards. So uh, so yeah, that uh, that's been you know trickling in this whole time, and we we kind of spent the whole time thinking like people are going to know what we're up to. Like people are gonna <laughs> people are gonna put two and two together, and we were just kind of waiting for somebody to get ahead of us. Yeah. Um, and, and, and spoil it. And, and somehow that didn't happen. And we, we kept, you know, kind of, you know, biting our knuckle going, is somebody going to say it? Is somebody going to say it? And nobody really did. And then we released this one and suddenly it was the, you know, everybody going, Oh my God, I knew it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, when that, when that doorway, you know, we, we done a couple of, you know, we did a live watch party when we, when we released it. And when we got to that moment where the doorway popped open, there was a a collective aha. Oh my gosh. I can't believe it moment uh, for a lot of people. So that was, 
that was really, really fun for me. Uh, but I think it was especially fun for Josh because, uh, you know, it was, it was his, you know, Easter egg idea of like, oh man, I want to bring this in and see if, uh, see if anybody catches it before we, you know, just flat out blatantly tell them this is what it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's, uh, I'm sure that this, well, I'm not sure, but I'm assuming this is going to come up in some of your future films, but of course we have a big mystery, uh, related to the chamber in which they find themselves at the end of the movie too, because, um, somehow our good friend Kamak finds his way into this chamber that they access just by the device that Beck was carrying around and like zap themselves mm-hmm. through a doorway and somehow dude shows up. And when she says, how'd mm-hmm. you get in here? He's like, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> right. That's none of your business. That's none of your business. <laughs> so that's kind of a little foreshadowing. I know you can't probably say much, but I am assuming that that is some foreshadowing of some shenanigans in the future I, here too. Yeah, I can't. I definitely, I definitely can't say much. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, but we did. You know, that that is that is one Klingon. I I did not kill. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, he he lives to perhaps, uh, you know, fight another day. Uh, mm-hmm. Although you know, I did I did send him on a a fun all expenses paid vacation somewhere he probably would rather not have gone um, <laughs> uh, you know, through that doorway. And I don't know if you guys caught that or not um, as to where he wound Go up. Go on through. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're yeah, absolutely. What a place to end up for a Klingon, right? Right. Time though, Victoria. What uh, you have any new projects that you guys are working on that that you uh, want to tell the listeners about or to keep your eye out for? We do have a couple of other things that we're we're hoping to be able to go ahead and release in fairly short order. Although that entirely depends on Josh uh, and and his uh, you know quote real job you know time demands. Uh, because we've we've got a couple of other things that we've shot similar uh, sort of in, in placement to Legacy. They're they're not fully fledged films. They're little vignettes, little side stories, you know, glimpses into the past, into the backgrounds of uh, you know some of the characters to give the audience a chance to maybe you know learn a little bit more, see a little bit deeper into who those characters are and where they came from. And hopefully, we'll be able to release those. Uh, fairly soon. In terms of very large uh, projects, our our next Avalon film that we have planned, we are hoping to shoot uh, sometime later this year. Um, and it's a big one, and it's a very fun one. Josh is taking the, the helm on this one in the director's chair, um, and it's going to have definitely a mix of all the things that you've seen from our films before, um, you know, since Josh is at the helm, no doubt there will be a lot more, uh, you know, Easter eggs. There will be a lot more, uh, you know, silly humor, uh, a la ghost shit. Uh, and then there will still be some, you know, really good character moments and some more insight into who these characters are and where they're going to go in the future. Um, there will also be more fun new uh, bells and whistles from Sam Cockings. 
yeah. that you guys will you guys will get to see. I'm trying to figure out how to phrase things so I can like give you guys hits but not actually tell you uh, <laughs> anything I'm not supposed to reveal yet. Uh, but Sam's definitely going to have another uh, very hefty role to play in this next film. There will be lots of fun stuff there. We're going to meet yet more new characters uh, that you know, maybe familiar in ways, but that you haven't seen in our films previously. Uh, we're going to see, you know, more of the characters you guys already know and hopefully love uh, from our films thus far. Um, but we're going to get to see some of them in very different lights than you have seen them thus far. Uh, so hopefully that'll be fun for everybody. I know it's going to be fun for me. I'm really looking forward to it from the actor perspective. So. <laughs> So you're going to kick some more Klingon butt then, obviously, right? I mean, I am always up for kicking butt, Klingon or <laughs> otherwise. Uh, <laughs> There's a butt that needs kicking. Beck is there. That's right. That's that's what Beck signs up for. <laughs> uh, but, you know, who, who knows? Uh, I may kick some butt. Some other people may kick some butt. Uh, it's probably safe to say that, that some butts shall be kicked by someone somewhere at some time. But beyond that, no promises. Well, we're definitely going to have to have you back and talk about the kicking of thine butts when they get kicked, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, wanna, I just want to say thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule and your birthday week to hang out and chat with us. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you guys for having me. This this was a birthday gift to me to get and uh, come hang out with you guys again after so very long. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always, always a joy and a pleasure to be here and hang out and be, be geeks with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll definitely have to or geek out again. <laughs> I think we're all both. <laughs> Yes. Yes. We I, are. I definitely fall into both categories. So. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty solidly. <laughs> yep. No. We can smell no our own happy kind. To come back. There. I'm always happy to come back anytime. So. Uh, thanks, Victoria. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you very much, and and happy birthday again. Kapla. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, guys, that was Victoria Fox. You guys can check her out in the Avalon universe. And, uh, you know, please do. We really appreciate it. Uh, Before we run out of time, I want to let you guys know that we'll be back next Thursday with another episode of Trek Talking. We're going to be going back in time to TOS. We're going to be talking about the balance of terror and the Enterprise incident, and in particular, Romulans. So you guys want to tune in for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. And while we're waiting for Star Trek to come back because we got spoiled with, with uh, 23 consecutive weeks of brand-new Star Trek, and now we don't know when we're going to have new Star Trek, we're going to try to keep the show interesting and different and alive for you guys. So we're going to be revisiting some of our favorite episodes of Star Trek from all the series of Star Trek. We're going to start with TOS, and then we're going to move on to Romulans of TNG, and we're going to be talking about the neutral zone, and the enemy. So you guys want to stay tuned. We're going to be jumping all over the Star Trek universe just to keep you guys on your toes. We're also going to incorporate, we we do a show called Comic Corner, and we also do another show called Book Nook. And because Star Trek is currently on hiatus, 
what we're going to do is we're going to kind of wrap those two podcasts into this one. So we'll have an hour-long segment on Comic Corner where we're going to talk about, uh, I think it's books 17 and 18 of year five of Star Trek. And we also have a book nook where we haven't decided what book we're going to nook, but when we do, I'll let you know. So keep an eye out. Yeah. Yep, go ahead. Actually, we're, our next book nook after the biography is going to be Dead Endless. That's the next one in the series. Yeah. We, we, do have, we do have a book nook. We're going to talk about the Janeway autobiography by Una McCormick. We had that all set up to have her live with us, but then COVID hit. So uh, hopefully, we're, uh, she said, that we're going to try to get her on at the end of March, and she's going to come on and talk with us about the autobiography of Cap. And Janeway, if this COVID thing lifts on us and we can actually make something work. So we haven't forgotten about that. And Una's definitely going to come on and visit with us. It's just a matter of making it work logistically. So hang in there for that. It is coming. And I think that's pretty much it. So I want to say thank you to Victoria for hanging out with us tonight. It's always great to have her with us. And of course, couldn't do the show without Eric. Thank you very much for hanging out and Trek talking with me tonight, Eric. Oh, man. I had so much fun tonight. Thank you, guys. It's always fun, isn't it? And also, Charles. Thank you very much, Charles. Couldn't do the show without you, buddy. Oh, always fun. Fun talking about all the fan films as well. So. Yeah, we're, we're going we're gonna to talk about more fan films as well. And also, thank you to each and every one of you guys listening around the globe, no matter where you are, no matter what time zone you're in. We really appreciate your support. Thank you very much. Head over to our Facebook page at Trek Talking and Beyond. Spell that all out. Let us know where you're from, and we'll get you on a fan shout-out. So I want to say thank you and good night. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim. Please, everybody, be safe and be good to each other. And good night. Night, y'all. Live long and proper. Hailing frequencies are closed. All right, then. Everybody ready? Yes, yes Captain. Captain. Let's fly. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.